Welcome to If the Walls Could Talk, a series of conversations about smart buildings, connecting key thinkers in the property world with each other and you. I'm Ari Berendrecht, founder and CEO of WiredScore, the certification company dedicated to making the world's buildings smarter and better connected. In this series, we cover topics like how to create a smart building, user-first design, smart buildings and sustainability, and the importance of implementing the right technology. Our guest today is Martin Frohawk, Global Workspace Innovation, Technology, and Design Leader at ARM, the UK-based tech company. Martin and his team are responsible for defining what the future of the workplace looks like at ARM, so he's the perfect person to speak to about the technical infrastructure of smart buildings. Hi, Martin. How are you? Good to have you here. Hi, Ari. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to the discussion. Excellent. Well, why don't we get started with a little bit of an intro. Um, the majority of our audience has used or benefited from the products that your company makes, uh, but might not know it. Can you talk a little bit about the company and also the role that you play with, on the team? We actually uh, sell IP, essentially, to a multitude of verticals and, and, and service providers. We license through to OEMs, so the products that we're recording this on today to the uh, airplane maybe that you just traveled across the, the Atlantic in to the train you sat on. We're a ubiquitous technology, so um, there's not a day goes by, an hour goes by, where you haven't touched or come into contact with, with some of our technology. Uh, as you said, we're, we're based in the UK. We've got about 3,500 people based predominantly here in Cambridge, but we also have offices in Manchester, uh, just outside of London, Galway, uh, and Sheffield, uh, and then we're more global. So our second HQ, if you will, is based in Silicon Valley, where perhaps you'd expect, uh, with about a thousand people. Uh, we've got a critical mass in Austin, Texas, as well, and, and a huge base uh, and a growing base over in Bangalore uh, or Bengaluru in India. My role. So I have a small team. I run a small team, as you said earlier in the intro, Ari, uh, predominantly responsible for defining our future of workplace strategy. So I sit on a, a small leadership team that looks after our global operations and everything from construction, project management, to real estate, to workplace services and facilities management. Um, and obviously my, my key area of interest and, and leadership is around technology and strategy. And just to understand a little bit more about the real estate footprint of ARM as context, roughly how many offices do you have and do you primarily own or lease your buildings or do you ever de develop your own office buildings? Sure. Yeah, we, we've got a mixed bag in terms of, of lease ownership. All of ours are, are leasehold. We don't own any any real estate. And we've got 29 offices in 18 countries. And um, that's reduced slightly recently you know, with, with lease events and uh, and COVID obviously having an impact on our on our demand. But um, we were previously tracking a, about uh, 40 people recruited every week uh, for over two years. So a significantly steep growth curve we've gone through. And uh, and, and the offices reflect that. So the business I joined had 1,800 people uh, and about 25,000 square meters. They were up to half a million square foot and just under 8,000 people globally now. So wow. grown an awful lot over the years. <laughs> so clearly at that level of growth, the, the pressure on the workplace team is probably quite high. How do you define success of, uh, from a performance perspective when you think about workplace? Yeah, good question. So, you know, we measure, we're a very data-hungry, data-rich business, as, as you probably expect. Um, there's a huge demand on our technology and on our performance measures. Uh, we, we manage to balance scorecard and OSKRs. Uh, in terms of the question, how do we define success? Predominantly through uh, actually things that might not come straight to mind for a workplace team, things like attrition, uh, attraction of, of talent and engagement. 
And they're actually our North Star measures, uh, as opposed to the more traditional workplace measures such as energy efficiency, uh, cost per square foot, uh, energy avoidance, and maybe uh, opportunity costs. We track all of those things, as you'd expect. Of course we do. But actually we're driven uh, by those those softer uh, attributes and those kind of more holistic um, uh, data sets across the business. So our people strategy, our talent acquisition strategy, in fact, more often than not drives our location strategy and our real estate strategy. Very interesting. I think that's the perfect context for the kind of core question of, of today's conversation um, as we're focused on smart buildings. And I think the, the thing I was most excited to ask you is um, almost philosophically, what do you think a smart building should offer to a business like yours, especially given how you define success for your workplace? Yeah, yeah great question. I think for me, I, I try and perhaps oversimplify uh, what smart buildings mean, mean to us and mean to me. And there's two elements. Uh, there's data, which I've already mentioned, and then there's what I refer to as the underlay and the overlay. Um, so I'll, I'll start off with data, I guess. Um, obviously, I can come in a multitude of, of styles and shapes. Uh, talking about really from simple analytics all the way to complex machine learning and algorithm-driven predictive and automotive controls. Um, that's what smart buildings mean to me, the creation of data sets in, in different forms, um, in, in bite-sized, high-level strategy shaping data sets all the way to that deep um, uh, automated and, and control-led um, data set, which we, we know about and talk about across the building industry. Um, and for me, the importance of, of that more deep-rooted um, data-driven uh, smart buildings technology is around predictability. You know, through modeling and baselining our building performance, through forecasting and, and advanced reporting. And those are the things that, that keep me up at night. Those are the things that get us excited, uh, you know, finding a breakthrough in either through those simple analytics and uh, all those complex kind of algorithm driven control sets. The underlay overlay probably needs a bit more explanation. I always describe smart buildings as having two sides to the same coin. The underlay being the ability to not only create solutions to, to built environment use cases, like those traditional workplace use cases, energy, automation, efficiency, and connectivity, but also it has to pay for itself on the overlay as well, which is the user interface to support the value proposition. So I mentioned you know, the people, uh, objective and, and the people-driven uh, element of our smart buildings, creating digital interfaces for the wider business to build on uh, and to benefit from um, is really critical for me. And, and trying to reach the balance, trying to arrive at products and solutions that do both um, is something we look for you know, before investing and before before developing our smart buildings further. When it comes to the technology foundations or, or the underlay, I think, um, in your parlance that, that you look for that needs to be in place from the start for a building to be a home for ARM, how do you think about your wish list uh, when you're selecting places where your team can locate? What we try to do is, is come together in partnership with our people groups and with our IT groups uh, in order to determine the best location. So, you know, we, we look at all the soft uh, elements again around location and proximity to people's homes, which drives, uh, you know, a, a radius of, of locations for an office. Uh, we then look at the physical infrastructure and services, you know, access to amenities, access to, uh, to, to larger footprint, have more flexibility with the interior design. Uh, and then in parallel with all of that, of course, we look at infrastructure. So we look at, you know, 4G um, and mobile connectivity. We look at the wired infrastructure. We look at uh, power incomer. We look at the resilient connectivity as well and, and line of sight for 
for radio wave uh, connectivity and, 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 and the such. But we, we design in, in partnership really with IT all the way through. Um, we obviously have hardware development laboratories and, and IDF rooms and, and data centers that we need to, to treat. Uh, and actually, we apply a similar principle. We work in partnership with our technical services group on infrastructure design, you know, wireless access point surveys and, uh, and the like are, are as interesting for us as workplace as they are for our IT colleagues. And then in terms of selecting, you know, the right tooling, the, the right infrastructure, that would depend on the use cases which were driving the, the new office space in the first place and the problem statements and the activities that the, the colleagues are in that location are working on. We're also thinking about connecting to CRM tools and IT systems so that you get full value uh, when you connect people, technology and space. Uh, and that's really foundational to the way we operate, the way we work, the way the decisions are made and the way that tools are, are selected. Um, and I, I know that's, that's, that's not always the case. Sometimes these things are, are delivered in silos, but that, those silos are really breaking down have certainly broken down more and more uh, over the last few years. How do you think about the divide between landlord kind of foundational responsibility for tech infrastructure versus what ARM as the tenant should be responsible for when it comes to deploying tech that your team benefits from? Like, what are your expectations from the from the space provider, the, the landlord? I think we're always disappointed, dare I say, with the lack of infrastructure and, and lack of flexibility, so of course we, you know, we we expect that we we, we somewhat budget for that um, and we design around that. So the ability to meet the use cases, the ability to provide technology, isn't limited, um, and we we manage to achieve what we set out to. I think the the base infrastructure in most of our locations is catching up over time. You know, we're seeing huge investments from landlords in building control systems and the ability to to share building management connectivity with tenants, uh, which was you know too technically complex or, or perceived as such. You know, a decade ago, that wasn't even a conversation point. And uh, now that's becoming quite central. And actually, we're having those types of conversations. You know pre-signature, um, which wouldn't have wouldn't have happened again 10 years ago. I think the partnership and the general um, approach is driven predominantly from, from energy profile, energy use and, and net zero commitments from both landlords and investors, potentially geographically the region as well. But we're finding the, the, the investment, if you like, and the willingness to to come to the table, uh, to co-design is going up month after month, year after year. And as your office footprint gets smarter, what are the biggest challenges that you and your team face that maybe didn't exist in a less tech-enabled environment? I'm sure we, we could go down into the weeds on, on data management or cybersecurity, um, but are those at the top of the list? Are there others that are, are keeping you up at night? I've got to say, you hit the nail on the head, um, security and, and data for different reasons. I think security, we're very lucky, you know, we're in an IP um, sensitive, security sensitive business that, that has security as one of its foundation blocks. So, you know, it's, it's language that we're, we're familiar with and that we have skills and capabilities internally. So that, again, back to partnering with, with IT uh, and, and IT services. We've majored quite heavily on device level um, security in, in recent months. Um, ICE profiling, we, we partner with Cisco for, for device management and secure layering. Um, that's been a game changer because it kind of flips the way that we deliver 
um, tools and solutions on its head. We spent a lot more time up front designing in security layers and a lot less time on the back end fixing security patches and uh, you know putting, putting firewalls up. Um, so that's changed the way that we manage projects, but also it's really prioritized um, digital security for us as a workplace team in partnership with IT. Um, and then data, I think we, we've definitely grown up in the last two years as a business, but, but mainly as workplace as to what's a North Star data set for us. You know, what are the key things we need to be looking at, understanding, interpreting and, and really prioritizing? If you could kind of send a plea to the real estate community, knowing that your company will continue to grow and, and need more office space over time, what would you tell the landlord community that would make your life easier as an occupier, particularly given your interest in smart building deployment and the experience you want to create uh, for your team? I'd say understand the value proposition for from end to end, um, as in understanding the value that can be driven through end use interface use cases, navigation and wayfinding, um, amenities, you know, hospitality, booking, and all, all of those, again, softer elements, understand what that looks like. Because the investments that, that buildings and building owners and investors make at the front end on infrastructure, uh, on connectivity, um, and, on, and on hardware, um, will define how much or how little of that that the tenant needs to, needs to pick up. Um, you know, tenants like ARM, we're going to invest in that space and if we need to we invest in the hardware the the middleware and 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 the software layers to 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 deliver on those end use cases but if the first element is done and we all know it's sometimes the most difficult in terms of budget in terms of technical infrastructure and um, that makes our our life a hell of a lot uh, easier and, and you know our, our go lifetime a hell of a lot quicker that's that's very well said um and good to know that um my organization and yours is thinking the exact same way. We're beating the same drum around kind of holistic end-to-end -end thinking about technology foundations uh, to help occupants provide the best experience for their teams. Um, and so we are united on that front. Thank you, Martin. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed the conversation. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to If the Walls Could Talk using your usual podcast provider. And thanks for listening. Thank you.